kind of give a quick recap on the Exodus journey. Uh, We've been on this Exodus journey, again, looking at Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Today, we're going to spend our message looking at the whole book of Deuteronomy. We broke up this series into four parts, the sea, the mountain, the map, and then we're finishing up with this last part called the desert. And so God freed the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt under the leadership of his servant Moses. And Moses would lead the nation of Israel to the land of Canaan, which God promised to his ancestor, Abraham, centuries earlier. God would give the law uh, to Israel at Mount Sinai, and then God would lead Israel to the borders of the promised land. And once they were there, um, Moses would send in 12 spies to spy out the land. And 10 of those spies came back with a bad report, and two came back with what the Bible calls a good report. The nation listened to the bad report, and as a result, God punishes the nation to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's why this part's called the desert. For 40 years before they would be allowed to enter into their promised land, only those who were 20 years of age and younger at the time of the Exodus, would be allowed to enter. Uh, But so would Joshua and Caleb, because those were the two spies that brought back the good report. And in fact, over the last couple weeks, we learned that not even Moses or Aaron themselves would be allowed to enter into the land of Canaan because Moses was rebellious and disobedient to God before the nation in bringing out water from a rock. If you missed that message. You can go back a couple of weeks and listen. And so he's prohibited from entering in. Um, Israel starts to progress at the end of this 40 years toward the Jordan River where they would pass into the promised land. And then last weekend, uh, one of our assistant pastors, Paul Lehman, she spoke on Balaam and his donkey and the curse that was put on to Israel that ended up being a blessing. And she did a fantastic job with that. And so this is where This all wraps up today. We're going to look at, again, just the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is over 30 chapters, but we're going to look at it in about 30 minutes. Um, So this is the end of the Exodus journey. Um, So this is before Israel enters into the promised land. And Deuteronomy then also details the events surrounding the death of Moses. And so as you open up Deuteronomy, uh, Moses calls the nation together, and Moses preaches to them what are essentially sermons. In fact, there are three sermons that Moses preaches to them, and these sermons, if you would like to have kind of a recap of the Exodus journey, that's what Deuteronomy is. Uh, In fact, the word Deuteronomy, it kind of means second law, or it means retelling of the law. So Deuteronomy is a recap of sorts that Moses gives in a sermon. And so if you'd like to hear Moses' direct relation of the events that he's gone through, Deuteronomy is this wonderful book to go through. He recaps the 40 years. And as he's recapping the 40 years, um, some of the messages that come out within the sermon portion of the recap is Moses is giving them God's consequences upon the nation if they would not follow God. But Moses also is telling to them what their blessings would be if they would follow God once they would enter into the promised land. And if you read through this, and if you know how the story would progress after the book of Deuteronomy, 
God also uses Moses to prophesy to the nation of their coming defeats and their coming exile at the hands of foreign nations if they turned from God and turned to foreign gods which were not their own, which indeed would happen in several centuries. And so if we're going to kind of look at this book in one week, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but I want to focus on two passages that will explain this book, Deuteronomy, very well, but also will recap this series we've been on for the last year very well as well. And I want to focus on these two passages to kind of recap our series and to look at the book of Deuteronomy. And as we look at these two passages, I want you to know they all boil down to just one simple thing, and that is the word obedience. Deuteronomy is challenging the people of Israel, and by proxy, it's challenging us to obedience. The entire Exodus journey has been about obedience. Will Israel trust God and obey him? Will Moses trust God and obey him? Will we trust God? Will we obey God? And when God has done so much for us, when God had done so much for Israel, when he had showed so much mercy to them to give them freedom, how would they respond? And the question is the same for us. When God's done so much for us, when God has shown us so much mercy, how will we respond to God in faith? And will the faith, will the trust that we put in God, will it lead us to obedience because obedience is what God asks from us. He asks us to obey. When we follow God in obedience, it is leading us into holiness, to being more like God and less like ourselves enslaved to sin. And so we're going to look at these two passages which pose this idea of obedience and what's at stake for the people depending on their obedience. And it's in Deuteronomy 30, And we're going to look at verse 11. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. If you're joining us online, first of all, welcome. Um, These verses are going to be on the screen there for you. And if you're in-house, they'll be on the screen behind me. So Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, it says this. This is Moses' sermon to the people. He says, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Will we go over the sea and have this message brought to us that we could hear it and do it? Verse 14, this is the key verse. It says, But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So Moses is actually talking to the people. God is speaking through Moses about this message, and this message is the word of God. It is the law of God that was revealed to Israel on Mount Sinai approximately 39 years before, over 600 laws. Many of those laws were cultural laws, national laws, ceremonial laws. They were ritual temple laws, but many of them, too, were moral laws. And and God gave them the law. And Moses is saying, when you guys enter into the promised land, when you enter into the land of Canaan, you need to follow the law. And the law is not far from you. It's with you. 
The reason it was with them is because it was literally with them. It was written on stone tablets that were kept within the Ark of the Covenant. Moses would teach the law to the people. Um, Eventually, priests that would go on after Aaron and into the promised land, they would preach this to the people. Scrolls would be written, which would have the law on them, which would be taught in, eventually, synagogues. And so the law is literally near them. It would be in their people's mouths, and it would be in their hearts, especially this generation, because they had actually heard it. And so the issue with this, though, is that even though the law would be near them, they would fail. They would fail at keeping the law, especially the most important of these laws. They would fail to keep God as the only God in which they would worship. They would fail in not worshiping other gods. They would fail morally falling short of God's expectations for their lives. But one thing we've learned through this is that it is not just simply our failures that define us. In fact, in Jesus Christ, our failures do not define us at all. Our faith is what defines us. And in this passage in Deuteronomy 30, I want to introduce to you as we have this entire time how the account of Jesus, who would live 1,300 years later, relate to these passages of Scripture. Because when we're introduced to Jesus in history and in the Scriptures, we find out that even though Israel failed at keeping to the law which was near them, that Jesus Christ lived without failure. That Jesus Christ died for our failure. And he rose to life to free us from our failure. And so when we trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, our failures are forgiven. But more than that, his spirit lives within us. His spirit lives within us and the spirit of God that indwells us when we put our trust in the life, death, and resurrection in the person of Jesus He gives us what the Old Testament would later call a new heart. He gives us a new heart, one that his law is actually written on. Jeremiah 31, the prophet, um, about 600 years after this Exodus journey, he said one day God would write the law on our hearts. Ezekiel 36, same thing. God will write the law on a new heart which he places within us. He will put his spirit within us. And we have come to realize that the spirit of God dwelling within us that gives us this new nature, these new desires, this new heart with his law written on our heart, it empowers us to follow God's commandments and it empowers us to repent when we fail and it empowers us to submit our lives to following him. And so this is a question before we continue in chapter 30 is, do you have a new heart? Have you ever had a a heart regeneration? Have you ever had a heart transplant? Has God given you a new heart, a heart that is not a heart of stone like you had as a sinner, but instead a heart of flesh which God's law is written on, empowering us to do the work of God. And we'll look at what it looks like to have and to be given a new heart. So let's look at verse 15. Moses says, see to the people. See, I have set before you today 
life and good, death and evil. So here are your two choices. Israel, today, Moses, before I die, you have two choices, life and good, or death and evil. Now, if Moses were to have asked the people, or if I asked you today, what do you choose? Everybody would say, we choose life and good. We don't want death and evil, but the natural inclination of our heart, if we are not relying on the new heart that God gives us in Christ, if we've never encountered the living Christ before, our natural inclination is actually death and evil. But we have this opportunity, we have this choice in front of us, life and good or death and evil. So Moses says in verse 16, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So obey God. And when you enter the land you will be blessed. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away, and if you will not hear from God, and if you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land you are going over the Jordan to enter and to possess. And then he essentially swears an oath on this choice he has just given them. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. He says, basically, God is my witness. If you choose disobedience, it will lead to curse. If you choose disobedience, it will lead to death. But if you choose obedience, if you choose to follow God and not turn from him and turn toward other gods, you will be choosing for yourself blessings, and more than that, you will be choosing for yourself life. So they had a choice, life or death, good or evil. Evil would lead to death just as it always has. Romans says the wages of sin is death. But good would lead them to life just as God promised. They had a choice, do good and obey, leading to blessing, do evil and disobey, leading to curse. So what would Israel do? What do we do? Like all of us, they disobeyed. They did evil. It resulted in a curse which would actually and eventually drive them out of their land. And it would cause them to miss out on the blessings of God. And we would see this centuries later where the nation would be divided to the north into the nation of Israel and to the south the kingdom or nation of Judah. The Assyrians would come and attack Israel, and God would use this as judgment against them for idolatry and would scatter them across the nations of the earth. And only about 150 years later, Babylon would come in and ransack and siege the southern kingdom of Judah, and they would be destroyed for their idolatry, and they would be exiled to the land of Babylon before being allowed to return 70 years later. You see, God is gracious, and God would give 
the nation an opportunity. God would give them the grace to return to the nation and repent once again. And there would be a remnant of people from Judah that would return to their land. And this would give rise to the coming of a Messiah. This would give rise to what Moses calls in Deuteronomy a new prophet like Moses, but better, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so this rise of the coming one, the only one who could bring blessing, life, and make obedience possible for them and for us, it was Jesus. Jesus makes all of this possible, and without the coming of Jesus, none of this is or would be or could be possible. And so like we talked about in the first part of the verse, Jesus lived good and rejected evil. Jesus took on our evil, though we rejected good. And Jesus then experienced the curse of death for doing evil in our place. And he did this so that we could experience the blessings of the obedient Christ. So the choice in front of us today just as it was for them, but now even more fully realized, the choice in front of us is Christ. And as we, end, as we um, wrap up, as we end this series, the choice in front of us is, will we choose Christ? Will we accept Jesus and what he's done, which leads to our obedience? Or will we reject Christ? Will we disobey Christ? which leads to the curse of death. And when you and I, when we choose Jesus, what we're doing is we're actually choosing life. What is it that Jesus said in John 14? He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Choosing Jesus is not just choosing life arbitrarily, It is choosing life itself. In John 11, Jesus tells the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. So when Moses says, you choose life or death in a way that he doesn't fully understand, not even remotely, prophetically, he is saying, will you choose God or not? Will you choose the coming Jesus Christ or not? Paul tells us in Colossians 3 that Christ is our life. I love Colossians 3, 4. Paul says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him. So that that begs the question to me, and I actually really pondered this this week. Is Christ my life? Because Paul says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, will appear with him. I want to appear with Christ. Is Christ my life? I've noticed in talking to young people that a lot of young people have never attended a funeral before. I had the opportunity, a blessed opportunity, to attend a a beautiful funeral this last week with some friends of mine here from Free Church up in Troutdale. And funerals are this phenomenal opportunity not only to grieve and to mourn the dead and not to just celebrate their life, but one of the reasons why people become so moved at funerals is because in front of them they realize that they too have a choice, life or death, good or evil, Christ or myself. 
And I notice that people don't bring children and teenagers and young adults with them to funerals like they used to. And if you have a loved one who passes away and you have children, bring those kids to those services because they need to see the beauty of life and they need to see the shortness of life. They need to see that in choosing Christ, they are choosing a life beyond life as we know it here. And that one day, this life as we know it ends, but in Christ, we continue to live because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I got to hear over a dozen people share of the hope that they had that their brother, their uncle, and their friend, and their co-worker was in paradise with Jesus. They said it over and over again because despite this man's issues and problems, and how many of you have issues and problems? Despite his issues and problems, he had faith in Christ. And even though in this life there were things that were leading to his death, ultimately he was choosing life because he chose Christ. So let's look at verse 19 and 20. Moses says, therefore, because of all this, because of my third sermon I've preached to you today, he says, choose life. Choose life so that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life. He is the length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give to them. We talked a couple weeks ago, um, looking at the book of Hebrews, where the author of Hebrews points out heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, and Moses is one of those heroes that is mentioned, said he had faith, he was a hero of the faith, he had a hope, but what he put faith in and what he put hope in, he never actually saw. He never entered into the land he led the people into. He would die before he would be allowed to enter it. But the author of Hebrews makes this beautiful comparison about the hope that Moses had. The hope that Moses had was not in Canaan. The hope that he had was in the resurrection of the dead. The hope that he had was in a new heaven and a new earth. And Hebrews says specifically he was living for a city which God was preparing. Now, what city is that? We, we can just call that heaven, if you will. Living for something beyond just the land. And so when Moses is telling the people, when you choose life, when you choose life in the land you enter in faith and in hope, saying something again, he doesn't fully realize. He's saying it's for more than this. When we cross this river, the Jordan River, we're living for something better. We're living for something beyond. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, but what about all the people who, who died before Jesus ever was born, before he lived and died and resurrected? And I felt compelled just to, to have you wrestle with this today. Because Moses never put his faith in Jesus because Jesus hadn't lived yet. And these people that put their trust in the law, how were they putting their trust in Christ if Christ had not yet come? And I just want to share with you that before Christ, all people who put their trust in God's coming salvation, all people whose heart's desire was to follow and to obey God as God revealed to them, they would too find life in him. 
Moses found life in Christ by putting his faith in the coming of salvation, which would come one day through God. And so Moses followed this law because he knew it would lead to life. But now, after this Exodus journey, after the coming of Jesus, all who put trust in Jesus following his coming, all of us who put our trust in Christ, we find life in his life. We find life in his death. We find life ultimately in his resurrection. And so we today, we must choose whether or not we choose life. And just like Moses, I would implore you and I would implore my own self, choose life. And know that when you choose life, when you choose life, you have to be willing to lay down your own life. To choose the life of Jesus is to lay down your life. To choose the life of Jesus is to allow Jesus to change yours, which then leads to obedience. And oftentimes when we're talking about the grace of God, and as we talk about faith that we put in the grace of God, sometimes we leave out this idea that to truly put trust in God means that we have to stop trusting ourselves. It means at one point or another, as Jesus says, we have to pick up our cross and follow him. We have to be willing to die to ourselves and to live in him. And this is what those who choose life do. Those who choose life lay down their own. Jesus says, if you are looking to find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, he says, that's where you truly find life. And so I'm asking myself this morning as I ask you, what are some things that you need to lay down to fully walk in the life that Jesus is living in and through you right now? What's something in you that Jesus died for that you need to leave in the grave that you need to walk forward in resurrection power with? Because once again, those who choose life are given a new heart. And those who are given a new heart desire to obey God. They desire to choose good over evil. They desire to choose blessing over curses because the power of the Spirit within them gives them the power to make the right decision. So once again, I just would implore, I'd challenge you, challenge myself. Have you been given a new nature? Are you born again in Christ? Are you a new creation? Do you have a new heart with God's law written on it? Is it your desire to do good and to follow Jesus Christ? We have to ask ourselves that. And as I asked myself that, I realized, yes, my desire is to do good. My desire is to follow Christ. But then if I look at the other side of that coin, I have to say like Paul did, but why do I do the things I hate? Why is it the things I want to do sometimes I don't do and the things I do are things I don't want to do? You see, we have this war within us. It is a war of our flesh and the Spirit of God which dwells in us. And so as a Christian, you will battle, you will struggle, and you will sin. But those who have been saved from their sin by Christ, when you and I sin, what the Christian, what one who has found life in Jesus does, is we are convicted of that sin. So I would ask you, are you convicted of sin? As a follower of Jesus, when you sin, are you convicted or does it feel like nothing? 
And in your conviction, is it your desire and then your obedience to repent of that sin and to allow the Spirit to pick you up and to continue to follow Jesus? I would just challenge you, if, if you're not convicted by your sin, if you are willingly choosing to live in your sin instead of choosing Christ, and if you refuse to repent of your sin, you need to search your heart to see if you've truly given it to Christ, to see if Christ has changed it. I was watching an interview a couple of days ago on um, Australian TV. I just love Australian TV. And um, I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but there was a man on there having a debate with a Christian, and the man said, literally said, I refuse to repent of what I do. I refuse to repent. And, and we, too, we've got to ask ourselves, do we refuse to repent or do we choose life? So search your life to see if you've given your life to Christ. Because faith without works, James says, it's dead. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Meaning when you trust in Jesus, his spirit gives you the power to follow what his will is for your life. Jesus says in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And you might ask, does that mean I have to do God's will to earn my salvation? No, not at all. What it means is that when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that Jesus himself gives us the power of his spirit to be able to be convicted of our sin and to repent of our sin and to continue to follow in obedience the Lord Jesus Christ. So choosing life is choosing Christ, which is choosing to have your heart changed, which is choosing to be filled with the spirit. It's choosing to respond in obedience. Here's where we'll wrap this up. One one more passage. It's Deuteronomy 31. It it seems unrelated, but this gives us a fitting close to the entire uh, first five books of the Bible. In chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, we're going to find out what happens as this saga comes to a close. Verse 1 of chapter 31 says, So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to your enemies, as he did to previous enemies, Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Verse 6 The last verse we'll read in the Exodus journey. Be strong and courageous. You're about to go over the Jordan. You're about to enter the land. You're about to have these promises fulfilled, which will continue to be fulfilled. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear 
or be in dread of them. That commandment to not fear, to not be afraid, appears 365 times in the Bible. Do not fear. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Joshua would become the leader. Moses would be ushered up to the top of Mount Nebo where God would allow him to look down at the land. He would die. For some strange reason, Jude says that Michael, the archangel, and the devil himself would battle over Moses' body. And then at the end of Deuteronomy, it says God himself buries Moses. That's a funeral. If God buries you, that's like the best funeral. God himself buries his servant Moses. And it's beautiful because at the beginning of the first five books of the Bible, God creates man out of the dust of the earth. And at the end of this Pentateuch, the end of the first five books, God buries this man Moses in the dust of the earth. From dust you came, from dust you will return. And then Joshua would have to lead the charge to inherit their destiny. And so choosing life and walking in obedience, listen carefully, please. Choosing life and walking in obedience requires taking your next step. What's your next step? For some of you, your next step is to be baptized in water. For some of you, your next step is to share your faith with your family. For some of you, your next step is to share your testimony with your coworkers. Choosing life and walking in obedience requires taking your next step. It requires following through with your mission. Every Christian has the mission, go make disciples of all nations. We must follow through with our mission. Choosing life and walking in obedience means moving toward the vision God gave you. Has God given you a vision that you have given up on because he has not? Some of you, God has given visions, has given you words of prophecy, has spoken to your heart things which you would fulfill, which you have not yet fulfilled. And God has said, oh, I don't mind how old you are. You're still going to do it if you would continue to walk and to follow me. Choosing life and walking in obedience means living out your calling. Some of you have a calling on your life that you are not living out. Today is the day to follow. Choosing life and walking in obedience means taking ground that the enemy has stolen. What's the enemy stolen from you? Is God not mighty enough to take it back? It means taking ground the enemy is holding in your life. And so it wasn't just Joshua that would have to make this decision. It's you and it's me. It's the entire nation that needs to make this decision. Would they cross the border? Would they go to battle to claim the victory that previous generations failed to do? And if you're here and if you're under the age of 25, I want to ask that question again. Will you claim the victory that previous generations have failed to do? And Israel would make mistakes. They would have utter failure. But despite their failure, God was faithful. His plans were and are being carried out. 
And this Exodus journey continues. As we are being freed from slavery to sin by Christ and led into the promised land of our future. And as we have the Spirit of God, his presence within us, empowering us to go. You guys can bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment of reflection. I'll call our worship team up. Um, as Josh was sharing his testimony, he, he said, as I was praying on Monday night, God kept telling me into my head, and he heard the voice of God um, challenging, convicting, and encouraging him, saying, you're worth it, you're worth it, you're worth it. And God does speak to us. And here's a word God's giving to me right now that I just want to sit on for a second. It's bitterness. And God just spoke to me very clearly. Someone here is struggling with bitterness deeply. In this idea of God's word being near us, we find that, once again, we find that now, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of our heart, gives us a new heart, softens that heart, writes his law on our heart so that we can live. But bitterness is the opposite of a new heart. Bitterness is a heart that is a heart of stone. So if that's you, if you're battling now with bitterness, and in your own mind, if you're battling that, you're like, it's not bitterness, it's just, that's, that's, that's it. Would you just right now, this may sound weird, but would you just put your hand over, over your heart, if that's you, if you say, I, man, I am struggling with bitterness. You might even be bitter at God. I'm, I, I'm struggling with being overlooked. Why didn't I get picked? Why didn't I get chosen? Why don't I? That's bitterness. Would you put your hand over your heart and then just, just imagine taking that and saying, God, is just, I, I can't. I can't. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the bitterness. God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would take our hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. As your word has said, would you give us a new heart, renew our mind, transform our will to desire yours. Going back to what it takes to step forward, um, God showed me real specifically, some of you here, that you have a vision, a mission, a calling that you thought was over, and, and just listen carefully as, as the Lord speaks to you through this word we just looked at, it's not done. He's not done with you yet. You must respond with faith. You must respond with obedience. The Jordan River may be in front of you thinking it's preventing you from moving forward, but let me tell you, because I've been in it, the Jordan River is dirty, 
It's tiny and it's shallow. And God can get you through it. God can get you over it. Step into what God's called you to do. Step in. Don't let another day pass before you step into the destiny God has for you. This is a little side note for, for this church, too, for Free Church. Um, I wanted to share with you, if this is your church, we have to move forward. We have to move forward as a church. Um, two years is a long time for the world to pause. We have to move forward. We have to take ground. This church has to be faithful to the assignment God's given to us. Choosing life for ourselves, it means choosing it for others too. What that means is when you choose life, it means that you want to show others that life so that they too can choose. We need to make a choice to declare this life so that others can choose. So if you're just here visiting or if you're like, I've been here 10 years and this, this is a place I just attend, then please choose life, choose Christ. But if this is your church, we need to move forward. And there's a couple things I, I'm going to invite you and challenge you to do. And, and to be honest, if you're a part of this church, I expect you to do these next couple of weeks. Number one is, um, I mentioned we don't have church on September the 4th. But next Sunday night, August 28th, we are going to be having this worship night, a preview service in downtown Salem because downtown Salem is a vacuum of evangelical Christian churches. They are leaving. God's called us to be a presence there. No matter how small or how big that looks, it doesn't matter. God's called us to be a presence there. And I want to invite you to attend. In fact, I'm saying if this is your church, you just need to be there. Whatever you've got, just be there. August 28th, 630. Um, Casey's going to lead us in this wonderful worship set. We're going to cry out to God, ask what he has for us. There'll be a short, encouraging word. There's going to be a time of prayer. So would you join us and invite everybody you know just to come and be? Um, it's Ike Box, the corner of Cottage and Chemeketa, right across from the YMCA, be there at 6. The service starts at 6.30. We're going to see God do some great things if we choose to move forward. But if not, it's a wasted time. Here's what I need from you even more than that. On September 11th is uh, the first of three vision weekends that we have. Vision weekends. I realize that, like, that kind of sounds weird. Like, but it's not. We're just saying this is where we're going. For three weeks, we're going to look at where we're heading and we're going to challenge the church to step forward. And our theme for this coming year is going to be this idea of come home. And we'll explain more what that means, but it, it means what it says. It's time to come home. It's time to return back to the Father through Jesus Christ. It's time for Christians who have strayed from Christ to come home. It's time for Christians who have disengaged from church because of whatever to come home. And so... That's our theme for the year, Come Home. You'll be seeing a lot of stuff about that. But on the 11th, um, before our 9 o'clock service, we're going to be serving breakfast. And so help me God, it better be biscuits and gravy. Before 9, um, we're going to have breakfast. So show up early that day. And if you attend our 11 o'clock service after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have lunch. So help me God, it better be biscuits and gravy. 
So breakfast and lunch. But then we're having a volunteer fair that day. Um, two things that our church and most churches have radically struggled with since COVID. Number one is people connecting through things like small groups. And number two is volunteers. Volunteerism has tanked in the church corporately. We're going to have a volunteer fair. If this is your church, we need you to serve. There are a lot of areas you can serve. Uh, We are desperately short of volunteers, especially in our most important ministry, which is our kids' ministry. We we need to have kids' church at our 11 a.m. service. We need to. It's actually almost cruel that we don't offer it at the 11 o'clock service. So we'll have a volunteer fair. We'll have some leaders that will encourage you, tell you about how you can serve, what that looks like, get you plugged into serving, all of the above. We need to move forward. So next week, uh, we're going to freestyle message in the morning. Next week, 6.30 p.m., Eichbox, downtown Salem. Let's worship our hearts out, seek God for this next season. Pause on the 4th, then come back on the 11th. And I'd ask you, if you want to move forward with our church this coming year, be here on the 11th. If you're like, I'm not in, we can help you find a place where you can be in. But we need some people who can move forward in where God's taking us. So God, we submit these things to you. We pray again against bitterness. We pray for those whose vision, mission, and purpose has been abandoned, that they would push in and receive. God, we pray that people would choose, that I would choose, that this church would choose life, that we would choose you. God, as we choose life, change our hearts. Give us a desire to serve you. God, may your spirit give us the power of saying yes and choosing obedience. And Lord, even as a local church, would we choose to move forward or choose to not? But God, I choose to move forward. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would surround this church with a group of people who wants to take ground that the enemy has stolen. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing. And as we sing, um, myself and some of our team will be up here to pray for you. And as... um, As we sing, if you'd like prayer, come up. We'd love to lay hands on you, pray over you and for you. And after this service is dismissed, um, we will still be up here for prayer.